people have pondered these questions in our psyche and consciousness for decades. Those who stayed behind, those who left, processing this, 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 this disruption to our modern psyche around leaving or not leaving and what that meant for our lives and future. These are real questions that have continued to simmer in the Vietnamese immigrant the diaspora experience for, for decades after. And that was why even for my own family, going back in February felt like a, a necessary healing uh, piece to, to answering some of these questions and coming to our own understanding and peace of, of just our family's story. I think there, it's still unresolved for many Vietnamese American families. Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. So I wonder, how did you navigate, you know, being raised in a Vietnamese home? Because I'm pretty sure your parents were probably pretty culturally Vietnamese living in a uh, land called the USA. And at home, there's very cultural, it's culturally Vietnamese, but when you leave and you go out, you're at school and so forth. How did that turn out for you over the years? I'd love to share more about that and unpack it. So my family had the blessings of immigrating to Honolulu, Hawaii. So I like to say in the book, for refugees, ending up in Hawaii is like winning the lottery. So it's, it's like you end up in this land of paradise. And yes, my family was very culturally Vietnamese. I mean, literally before they stepped off the plane, they had lived nowhere else in their life besides Vietnam. And yet you land in Hawaii, which is already a melting pot of cultures, but it's also, a, it's predominantly Asian. There's a strong Asian influence. So, you know, there's a lot of longer history of Japanese and Chinese migration to, to Hawaii. So it was a very interesting experience of my family looked like we belonged. So it's not like we were all of a sudden transplanted into the Midwest or, you know, the South where we could clearly stand out as immigrants. We landed in Hawaii and we looked like we fit in. But we really didn't for a long time. And, and as a child growing up in that confusing sort of messaging of everyone thinks I should know what this, how to do this because I look like I should know how to do this. But actually, my family does not know how to live in America yet. So it was it was this journey of really understanding that, you know, it is different. It, it For a child growing up in an immigrant family, it is inevitably different than a child growing up in a family that's established somewhere. And, and now as a child psychiatrist who understands the developmental process of children, I understand now why as a child, I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I belonged. It felt like there was always something that wasn't quite like I just didn't quite fit in. And I, I misattributed that to, you know, a personal deficit or a personal deficiency in either like being, 
you know, not cool enough, not pretty enough, whatever. I, I attributed all of that to a personal failing, which I now realized was was not. It was it was part of being in part of a being a refugee family. You're not going to feel like you fit in because how can you? You you just got there. Right. And and also to I might add, excuse me. I mean, I have similar feelings even up until today. I've been here now 23 plus years and I will tell you, I still don't feel like I fit in. Uh, some people will say you don't quite have a very strong Jamaican accent. But inevitably, somebody's going to ask, where are you from? I don't know It's if it's about the way that I move or express myself. There's something about me that just says that I'm not native here, that I am I came from somewhere else, you know? And so either someone else is going to remind me that I don't belong, right? Or you go into the space and you realize that the, the way you think, the perspectives you have are, you know, are different than the people who are who may have been here all their, their lives. So um, I completely get that. And it's funny, sometimes I express it. I have been through this podcast talking with different people and saying, just really holding space for my experience because I think there are some out there who would try to deny some of what I was experiencing and to say, okay, well, I don't know anybody who would treat you like that. But I'm like, okay, well, this was my experience. And as immigrants, a lot of times we're on scene in the dark, legally or not, right? Leak. I mean, I came legally, you came in legally. Most Americans are probably here. Most immigrants who are here arrived to the country legally. And but yet we're in the shadows. Our our lives, our experiences, or the value we bring is like it's almost like taboo and people, you know, and so I'm just, that's why I have the space is to say, yeah, no, we're, we're doing a lot of work and adding a lot of value to this country and our experiences and our humanity deserves to be amplified, to be highlighted, to be addressed because there's so many um, issues. I think immigrant families and people who are living this immigrant life are dealing with mental issues. You working this space, you can understand. And then children of immigrants. These are the uh, the children of tomorrow who are uh, American citizens who are going to be um, impacting this country. And so we need to make sure that they are healthy, growing up and being able to um, participate wholly to the to the, to our society. So I completely get that about not fitting in, and I'm still working it out, honestly. Well, I think. This 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 notion of belonging, of fitting in and knowing that you belong is not just I mean, it, it's I think it's amplified in immigrant refugee families, but in mental health, when I work with people from all walks of life, from all, you know, ethnic migration experiences, people who've been here for generations, I hear it. I hear it all the time from from everyone. So I feel that it's a very human struggle as well to feel like we belong we belong in in humanity we belong in wherever we are in our in our families in our workplaces in our social communities and it's it's something that all humans i think experience and it's 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 a journey this is the personal healing journey of really honoring you yourself as a unique contribution to humanity and all the complexity of your journey to know that you truly belong. You truly belong here just on this earth 
in humanity, in your body, in your life. That is the healing journey that um, I think we're all on. Right. That acceptance, right? Um, of that fact. That honoring um, of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I wonder if you can, in your research, in your line of work, like what are you seeing? I've I've had on my list to interview someone from the educational system, from the education system to talk about how our immigrant children are faring in education. What is their experience? What assistance do they need? Like, what are the results? How are, what, are, what are their identities after they graduate? Like, what are the issues they're having? Because some of what you probably are expressing in the book, I can imagine that it's probably really widespread, but it's not really getting that attention. So what are you seeing in your practice or are some of the issues that children are having, children of immigrants or even children who migrate at a young, you know, adults who might have migrated to the U.S. as children, like as they go through the, that phase of life, like what are some of the issues that you're seeing? There's so many, there's so many. So let's just give time and space to, to acknowledge how challenging, uh, uh, an issue this is around supporting healthy child development, but healthy child development where there's an added piece of cultural complexity where we're we're dealing with, you know, families not having that that social support from being somewhere for a long time. That, That is such a, we know as humans, feeling like you belong and have a support network of family and friends that you've established over generations. That's all gone when you migrate. That is a huge, that is one of the hugest losses of just that social support. And then there's the, you know, the the language sometimes can be a barrier. There's just interfacing with all these new systems that parents and children have to interface with as they start a life in a new land, school, healthcare, social, other families it's daunting. It's daunting. And so just to, I think, really acknowledge that the, the things we take for granted when we're established somewhere, we take it for granted that we have all of this social support network and ease with understanding how to do things, how things are done. And if you can just imagine if you yourself were transplanted somewhere where you don't know the language and everything's done differently and you're told to go now raise your family there. If you just do that experiment for yourself and like say, put yourself like in Russia, put yourself in Antarctica, like how much you would have to learn about, about everything. So I think Families and children are all from immigrant backgrounds are all facing those really real logistical factors that that influence their sense of self, their sense of feeling like I understand what's going on. And that can result in, you know, just mental health challenges or even just um, not knowing how to quite play the game. that's resonating with me and I and I imagine they would those types of issues would continue into adulthood if they're never addressed as children right 
they just tend to follow you uh, as an in a hyphenated immigrant American. Yeah. And so I often wonder, you know, I see many parents who struggle with keeping, trying to raise children who grew up in this land of abundance with the level of gratitude that they may have coming from the countries that they're come that you know they were raised in because they of course have different perspective they were raised it's almost like part of that is lost when you come over and you, you know, even if your children come with you right the ones who are born here it, it tends to be so hard to create that level of gratitude and perspective in them uh, i wonder do you have any recommendations about how to raise grateful children in this land of abundance? That's such a great question. That is such a great question. I think we should just, I think, how do we raise grateful children in general? Um, but especially from immigrant families who have now, like we, our families left maybe lands where there was less in order to come to America where there is more. Um, that's what we wanted for our children. And yet when our children are raised here and they don't, they didn't know any different, they, they kind of take it for granted. And there, there really isn't that same sense of, of gratitude for simple things like shelter and food and, and security and safety. I, I think my answer to that is, is really honoring the complexity of the human experience you know, it, it's, it's so not simple. It's, I mean, I myself was raised with my parents telling me, you're so spoiled, you don't understand, you know, how much how good you have it. And I remember as a as an immigrant child feeling really like invalidated by that. I was like, you know, I'm trying my best. And I see my friends who, whose parents are so much more cool, or like, you know, are fitting in better. And I actually feel like I'm like, getting shortchanged as well, being an immigrant child, while my parents kept telling me, you know, you're not grateful for what you have and blah, blah, blah. And, but now I'm raising my kids who are second generation and I feel what my parents felt like, like, oh, wow, they don't really understand how good they have it. Like they didn't understand the struggles that their parent, their grandparents and me went through. And it, it's just, it's understanding. I think when you become a parent, you understand where your place is in this ancestral line with much more compassion and love and grace for those who came before you and those who come after you. Because even though my kids, I feel like don't quite understand what it was like for me to grow up or their parents to grow up. I feel so blessed that I'm able to give them the life that I'm giving them. And I hope they just pay it forward to to their children and to everyone else and and so i think the best your question was how do we raise children to be grateful i think the best thing as we as parents can do is to model what we want our kids to to what we aspire our kids to value so if we ourselves are constantly modeling gratitude for our parents sacrifice and gratitude for what we have here that's just going to become a mindset that our children grow up around and have. So I, I think, you know, to an extent that's doing our own work. Cause I think, you know, part of when you guilt shame your younger generation is because you're still holding some resentment around not feeling acknowledged or not feeling 
like your your own contributions or sacrifices have been seen and 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 not passing along that that such that that immigrant we don't want to pass along guilt and shame which we know is our strong and immigrant cultural inheritances we want to pass along gratitude and acceptance and understanding by modeling it ourselves right no that's very powerful uh, and then hopefully that will lead to the I'm not sure if we'll ever see the level of motivation like, for example, the first generation immigrant family has, no matter how hard time gets, right? They're getting up out of bed and they're going to work and they're providing and they're pushing themselves and they're so highly motivated. And so, you know, having a daughter myself, having, seeing other, other folks in my family with children and I've observed other immigrant families struggle, um, you're your your first generation Americans is a second generation immigrant, right? Is it is that how it goes? I usually get it wrong. So you're your first generation American with immigrant parents. Yeah, every there's a different way of calculating it, whether you're first generation born here or first generation is when you or the first generation to arrive here. I was yes. the first generation born here and, and some right, would say I'm right, second right. generation then, but Right. So the, the worry has always been from the first generation and that, who arrive that their children are not as motivated and worry they might not study as hard, they might not achieve as hard. Because, you know, this immigrant mentality that we, we were talking about it earlier, pushing our children to do to be more like left brain in our studies, like hard sciences, lawyer, doctor, What's the other one? There's usually three of them. Engineer, lawyer, doctor, engineer. Engineer, exactly. And so a lot of times it doesn't necessarily mean that's the bent, you're, you're in psychology of the child, but it could possibly mean that they might not fully enjoy it, but we do it because it's the pragmatic thing to do. It's the practical thing to do. That's the way you're going to earn more money and move socially up the social class and so forth. And so we get that. But the worry has been, and I worry too, right? How do I create that level of motivation in my child so that she continues to achieve? Because you hear this worry that after, you know, wealth leaves families after so many generations. And so you wonder, like, are they going to survive and have the drive as when we arrived so that they continue to be successful and thrive here in this country? Because now they're going to be living in a land of abundance, completely different from the one their parents came from, right? So... Yeah, I, I, such a, such an interesting conversation around motivation and the legacy we leave our children as as immigrants and what we hope and aspire for them. And my my thoughts go to several different things. Um, one is I think we're the the world we live in is changing so quickly. It the generations that our kids are, are growing up in and the opportunities and challenges they face are unprecedented in our, in our lifetimes. So I think success is going to look differently um, for our, for our kids and future generations. And, and maybe, maybe we need success to look differently um, as, as our earth and humanity moves towards a more equitable distribution of resources and wealth. Like success in the past has been like the top are the most successful and that leaves a whole 
bunch of people who aren't successful. That model is just not sustainable. And I, I think we are, as a hopefully as, as, a, as a humanity, as a race, are moving towards a more communal definition of success, not just for the individual, which is a very like American focused uh, thing, but success for the community, success for humanity, success for our planet, which is going to take generations. But I think we're in hopefully the process of success being redefined. And I know that when I work with patients, I'm helping them to try to find like what internally motivates them because that that will always be there your own inner fire your own inner passion you know like if the external motivation of survival is gone then you're left with what is internally motivating you what are your internal strengths and inclinations and I honestly think if more people and we lived in a society that rewarded the internal motivations we wouldn't be facing what I think we're facing now with kids being kind of unmotivated to study by these external measures of success, but we're also not really cultivating their internal motivations. That's an interesting explanation returning to communal, right? So we come from high context into the industrialized world, right? Where it's very individualistic. And I say that I've realized I'm more of a hybrid of this communal culture versus now I'm in a space where I can be the individual, pursue my deepest desires, focus on my home and not be so stressed and feel responsible to the community. But you're saying that eventually getting back to that communal setting uh, where there's more of a success defined for everybody versus the individual is what you're seeing us heading towards. So that's, that's quite interesting. It's going to take, it's going to take some time, hundreds of years, but I think that's what is probably going to be more sustainable for us in the long run in a modern Mm -hmm. way, in a modern way where success is defined by, by, by individuals who are successful, but who individuals who are also have an in, have a view of the community success as necessary. Right. I often see your, remind me what you say, your actual practice is multicultural, you're a multicultural psychologist or? I'm a psychiatrist and I dubbed my, my work multidimensional psychiatry because as our conversation has, has already showed, I have so many interests and there's, and I really view my work is multidimensional. So especially when I'm working with healing work with clients, I'm really wanting to honor the individual's multidimensionality. You're not just one thing. So yes, you may have an immigrant or cross-cultural background. That's one dimension of you, but there's multiple dimensions of you that really bring out your wholeness and wellness. And it's been my own journey of reclaiming my multidimensionality that, that really is my framework for working with clients. Yes, yes, I completely get kind of like the whole person, right? The whole wholeness of uh, being, we're not just physical, we're, you know, emotional side, emotional, mental, spiritual side of us. So yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. 
I wonder then as, uh, so you've been quite successful and you've now released your book, you know, what advice would you leave for immigrants today, uh, whether it's from the mental health perspective or anything that we've talked about today, about how to thrive, how to find healing um, while they're on their journey? It may not be here in the U.S. It could be somewhere else around the world because people are constantly moving. But from your experience, what would you share for people to just... Um, you know, on that journey to find healing and belonging, if they're still struggling to find that place. I, I would let them know that they matter, that they matter. Like you as an individual matters, your story matters, your journey matters. You are the only unique person who has been through the exact journey that you have been through. And there's so much to share from just the journey you've been on. And that heal like there's always healing is always available that if you want healing it's always available so it's never too late to heal and, and 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 knowing that you matter and you deserve healing to have the life you want just just keep going yes definitely good advice good advice so how do we how do we find your book, Elizabeth, if folks want to purchase your book, if they want to collaborate with you based on the work that you do, if they want to even work with you as uh, to seek mental health? The easiest way would be um, the website for the book is aloha-vietnam.com. And that, that website tells about the book, but it also has links to my work as a psychiatrist and as a waterkeeper. So you can learn all about the book and then you can learn about my multidimensional interests in, in the other things. Yes. And one question that pops into mind that we didn't quite have on our list, but for other refugees who may, may have gone through some very traumatic experiences, it could be a child who had to leave their country. Like any advice, particularly for those in the refugee circle, you might be personally have experienced it. You've walked through it with your mom. Like what advice would you uh, give to a person who might be struggling mentally to really just find a place of belonging or to find healing with what happened in the past? Like, you know, what would you suggest, you know, as like maybe a few action items in order to get a better healing place from where they are right now? Thank you. Thank you for, for asking about trauma, because I think trauma is a worthy topic for us all to acknowledge especially for those with immigrant and refugee backgrounds, I think there's always a trauma of losing, of leaving your country. So there's different, there's different severities of trauma, but there's always a trauma of leaving your country. So I would say that every immigrant probably has some trauma to work through. There's always a trauma of leaving and there's always a trauma of resettling. It's sort of like when you garden and you uproot something and then replant it, there's a shock. There's a shock to the system. There is a trauma. So just to even destigmatize trauma, it doesn't mean like, oh, I mean, there are very severe trauma besides just being displaced and, and replanted. And I would say that trauma is takes a lot of, of patience and sensitivity and compassion for yourself to, to heal from. Trauma takes time to heal, but it is possible. It is possible to heal from trauma. And, and the first step is just to maybe 
to not have shame around saying, I think I have trauma from whatever, you know, we collect as humans, we collect trauma as we live. I have trauma that I've collected in the last few years. So, so to, to recognize that trauma in, in a broad term is when we experience something that overwhelms our system. So we have to go back and reassure our systems that we have the resources to navigate life either internally or externally or both, we have to reassure ourselves that we do have the capacity to, to, to navigate life again. And trauma really, it limits people's full experience of life because when trauma happens, we necessarily have to shut down parts of ourselves in order to go through it. And we live a more limited experience of life because we are not sure if we are capable of living a fuller experience of life. So to, to know when you yourself feel like maybe trauma has limited my, my experience of life, but I want to experience more, seek, seek, seek healing. And it may just be just to recognize I, I have trauma and I want to heal from it. And then there's so many resources there's, there's more of an awareness of trauma therapy and trauma healing now. So getting a mental health professional to help you through that is helpful. But there's part of the reason why I wrote this book is to know that there's so many different ways to heal from trauma. It is my sincere hope that people who read my book will experience some healing of their trauma. I have so many clients who've gone through an immigration experience or a bipolar experience who have told me, there's been so much healing for their own trauma just in reading the book and realizing that their experiences were validated, that they weren't the only ones who went through this. And, mm. and you can get healing just from reading a story or sharing your story or there's so many different ways to heal trauma, but it's it's important. It's necessary. It helps you enjoy life more and it helps make the world you know, a more healed place. Yes, well said. I thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing a bit of your time with us today. I can't wait to get this edited and to kind of re-listen and absorb. Sometimes we're having, I'm so steep in the conversation, I don't quite remember all that we've shared. But once I listen to it again, it, you know, you really get that full impact of the conversation. So thank you so much for your time and your very caring statements and 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 message of hope to those out there suffering from loss or the trauma that comes with when you leave your birth country are being children of people who left their birth country and and working through finding a new sense of belonging and finding healing through the experiences that you've just walked through. I think people will find hope in your messages today. Thank you so much, Simone, for, for doing what you do, for helping other immigrants through their journey, through just by sharing yourself and putting in your hard work for all of this. I, I get so much in having these conversations as well that helps me unpack things that still need to be unpacked. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. We wish you much success with the book. And, you know, we're here, the space is here for us. Whenever you there might be a future endeavor or something that you'd like to come back and share with our audience. Thank you so much. That's the beauty of making these connections. They're, they last. So thank you. Yes, 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 yes. I think we connected on LinkedIn. So at least we'll be connected there. 
and in email as we go through this process. But thank you so much. We're much appreciative of your time and, and sharing today. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.